It's a Friday. Let's get into an ambitious mailbag, including Malcolm Brogdon winning sixth man of the year, the real chances of the Celtics winning a title, podcasting in a Trey Young jersey. Will I do it? Yeah, there's a scenario where I'll do it. And pizza. It's all right now in the Locked On Celtics podcast. Be ever ready. Recognize the city of champs. Boston, baby, we do what you can't. Locked on number 18, Tatum and Brown, J team. Step back, we gon' wet that and slay teams. Of course, the Celtics, who else could it be? Screaming like KG with the Larry OB. Corral is above average, assessing the team status. Best daily pod, no cap, salary matching. Clutch like Bird to DJ, keep John on replay. Primetime, dapping up the truth on the sideline. Rain and Jays, how it started, raising banners, how we finish. Locked on Celtics pod, home of the winners. B. Hey there, welcome back to the Lockdown Celtics podcast, where it's your team every day. And I'm here for you every day with a free, fresh podcast dropped directly to your device if you're a subscriber. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts, whatever app you use. Also on YouTube, hop into the comment section, start a conversation, be part of the conversation. I'd love to see you there. I'm John Corrales. I used to play once upon a time. Now I cover the Celtics for Boston Sports Journal. So read me there. Today, I'm getting into the mailbag. Lots of questions. A big mailbag coming to you today. So later on, it's going to be the fun questions. Questions about pizza. Questions about uh, getting started in the business. Lots of questions in the fun category there. In the uh, first and second segments, we'll get into a lot of questions about the playoffs, the um, chances at a championship. But let's start with Malcolm Brogdon winning Six man of the year. Let's congratulate Malcolm Brogdon. Yay, Malcolm, for winning six man of the year. Let me just say uh, off the bat, I think they got it right. I think the voters got it right. Emmanuel quickly had a, a decent case as a mem- member of the Knicks. But I think Brogdon, having come off the bench for the entirety of the season, and ultimately their stats were equal, but quickly – Here's the thing with quickly. His off the bench numbers were eh, okay. His starter numbers were pretty good. So if we're looking at six man of the year, two different arguments. Some people are saying, hey, he stepped up as a starter. That's great. That makes him a six. But I think six man of the year is here's a guy who came off the bench to help his team. It's not who came off the bench to actually who, who was part of the bench, but came in as a starter to help his team. It's just two different scenarios there. I think Brogdon as a six man was better than quickly as a six man quickly. Certainly had a case. I can hear the arguments, but Brogdon got the, the, the award. I think he's uh, deserving of the award. So congratulations to him. Jonas says, it's a little too convenient that Brogdon was already at the NBA set to receive his award. There's 0% chance that he didn't already know, right? Well, the, the TNT studios are in Atlanta. The Celtics are in Atlanta. So I'm, I'm sure he knew when he got there what he was there for. But he also, I think, knew that um, or, or, or didn't know, as I mess with my microphone didn't know going into the uh into the day so i don't think he woke up knowing he was six man of the year but 
being in Atlanta since the studios were there, hey, bring them into the TNT studios. Why not? Bring them into the set. NBA has that power. You know, NBA PR has that that pull. So there he was at the set. So he he didn't know waking up, but I'm sure he knew by the time he got to the set that what, what was going on. Uh, Kalen, one of a few questions from Kalen. Uh, is there a chance for Derek White to make the all-defensive team? Yes, I think there is a strong chance. I think Derek White is going to make first-team all-defense. He should make first-team all-defense. I think anybody who was really paying attention to the Celtics this year understands how good he was defensively. And the one thing about Derek defensively this year is that it's not just the things that you see, the obvious things like, the block shots, the steals, and that stuff. It's very easy to say, oh, this guy blocks this many shots. This guy has this many steals. He's a defensive player of the year candidate. Derek White very obviously does a lot of the other things. Uh, The ability to switch, the ability to stay in front of his guy, the ability to contest shots, the ability to rebound at his size. So I think he is obviously a very strong candidate for defensive player of the year. I mean, I'm, I'm sorry, all defensive team. Defensive player of the year also uh, already went to Jaron Jackson Jr. Congrats to him. But all defensive, uh, I do think Derek White is going to make that team. Molly asks, level of concern around Jalen's hand. He seems to be favoring it in game two, but Joe uh, put him back in late in the fourth. Did anyone comment on that? Jalen? Blew it off. Joe blew it off. He's not on the injury report. So there's no, uh, obviously he has the hands, uh, the cut on the hand. Should he be on the injury report? Uh, yeah, he should be on there as probably listed as probable with a cut in his hand. But right now it's, it's the playoffs. They're not going to play that little game. He's playing. He's fine. Uh, level of concern is if we're going zero to a hundred, as far as like percentages, my level of concern is very, very low. 10, 15% concerned. Uh, I don't think it's, it's that big of a deal. Uh, it's a cut, which sucks. It hurts and maybe it'll split open. Uh, I think as I've said in the podcast before, you should probably like glue it shut or stitch it shut or keep the stitches in longer, do something to keep it like closed. But other than that, it's going to be tender. It's going to be painful and it's probably going to be tender and painful for a while you're playing. It's not something that is going to keep you out. It's not something that's going to uh, be a long-term injury. If you've got a cut in your hand and a, a cut in your, doesn't matter. doesn't matter if there's a scab there. Like, it's just a thing that you're just going to have to deal with. So is he going to sit out? No, he's not going to sit out. He's in Atlanta. He's home. He's going to play through in front of his home fans, in front of his family. He didn't play the first two games to go to Atlanta and be like, hey, guys, we got this series pretty much in, in control. I know I'm coming home in front of everybody that I know all of my family, but I'm going to sit out. That's not going to happen. 
and it's not going to cost him anything in the finals. It's not going to come back. We're not going to see a huge story over the summer that says, oh, he had this cut. He should have rested it. No, it's not like a knee. It's not like a tendon issue. It's not like a soft tissue issue. So everybody who's concerned about his cut on his hand don't have to be. Going to continue here uh, into the uh, second segment here. Uh, the realistic chances of the Celtics winning a championship. Um, getting the guys rest. And uh, a good question about a sweep last year versus a sweep this year. Which sweep makes me feel better about the Celtics chances this year or the, the Celtics chances at a championship? That's all coming up next. First, I got to give out the Nissan Electric Player of the Week, where I think we know where this is going to go. Because if we're talking about an electric player this week, it has to be Derek White, who I think is, I didn't keep track, but the the new, the the um, Nissan Electric Player of the Week, I think he's one of maybe two multiple electric players of the week, whichever it is, Derek White is the Nissan Electric Player of the Week. Brought to you by the all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria. Derek White has been awesome. We talk about brilliantly fierce. A, a guy who can block shots out of nowhere at the guard position. Uh, fiercely elegant. The way he drives and attacks the basket. Uh, stunningly powerful. His, his just relentless nature on the floor. Derek White in the first two games... It had his, he had his second best scoring night in in the playoffs in his career, and then he broke that as his next second best scoring night in his career. So I think uh, Derek White, absolutely the most <laughs> the most electric player of the week by far. Uh, the 2023 Nissan Aria packs pin you to your seat power and premium intelligence, all in one electric vehicle. The all-new, all-electric 2023 Nissan Aria, the electric vehicle for people who love to drive. Shop now at NissanUSA.com. Thanks for making Lockdown Celtics your first listen every day. Tomorrow is Friday. It's game three. So I will do a post-game bonus podcast. So make sure you're subscribed wherever you get your podcasts. Saturday night is an off night. Sunday is a game. So the next two podcasts will be post-game podcasts. So make sure you're subscribed. Get there and you'll you'll either on audio or video get that uh, subscription and you'll get this podcast as soon as it drops. Let's get back to the questions. I got a ton of questions. I'm rapid firing through all of them so I can get all of these questions in. Let's start with JC. Uh, as much as I hate thinking about it, JC writes, with injury potential and contracts, how big is the Celtics' window to get Banner 18? Also, what role do you see for Grant Williams during this playoff run? The window for Banner 18, I think, is at least I can't I can't go too far out, right? But I think Jalen Brown's gonna make all NBA and Jason Tatum is going to get a new contract. So I think there's by having those two guys 
I think there's probably at least a three, four, maybe five-year window here where the Celtics can be really good. It's hard to keep that window open for that long. It's hard to keep it open for longer than that. And at that point, Jalen's going to be, what, 31, 32? Jason's going to be 30? We'll see where they are. At some point, we're going to be looking at 30-year-old Tatum, 31-year-old Tatum, 30-year-old Brown, 31-year-old Brown, maybe getting a little bit antsy because the new collective bargaining agreement is going to make things a, a little difficult to keep adding pieces around this team. Will they get antsy enough to say, hey, you know what? This has been great. We've won a championship. Maybe you've won two. Maybe you've won more. Hey, that would be an amazing run. If they get a championship, especially if they get multiple championships, no one's really going to fault these guys for moving on if they're not entirely thrilled with where the team is at that point. I think there's going to be a point where when those guys are in their early 30s and they have two, three, four good years left, the Celtics can probably trade one of those guys or both of those guys at a point where they've run their course to get pull an OKC, pull a Houston, get all the picks, trade aging stars, and start over. It's kind of messed up to think about that now. They're, they're two games into what could be a championship run, but that's, that's I think, what the window is. As far as the role for Grant Williams, I can see him getting two more DNPs, the Celtics sweeping this, or three more DNPs as the Celtics get a gentleman sweep, and then being extraordinarily important against Philly and against Milwaukee. And then in the finals, who knows? It depends on the matchup, but we've seen him play well against Nikola Jokic. That's where his whole Batman persona came up. So if they play Denver again, he'll have a big role there. So I'm not, I'm really not worried about Grant in his getting DMPs. Even if he doesn't play in this series, I'll look at that as he's getting his arm right. Whatever injuries he's had, he's had, or whatever, however banged up he is, that's fine. So uh, he'll get that taken care of and he'll have a huge role moving forward. Uh, Jonas, who says, um, I don't fear anyone, but I wonder after all the lackluster performances, do you feel even better about the C's winning at all? I will say my confidence in the Celtics is at an all-time high. I feel like the Celtics have all the matchups. I feel like they look good. I feel like Philly is beatable. I feel like Milwaukee is beatable. This, I am 100% on board right now. Celtics winning a championship. I think they're the favorite. I think they should win a championship. I think they will win a championship. I think this is the year. And it has to be the year. It has to be the year. This is your chance. Guys have been willing to sacrifice. Derek White's playing his absolute best. Al Horford is playing amazing. In, and you don't know how much longer Al Horford can play well. This is the year. 
Tatum gets it. Jalen gets it. Smart gets it. Everybody gets it. Like I said, Horford playing great. White playing great. Brogdon, sixth man of the year, gets it, knows his role. Beautiful. Sam Hauser, you go down the road. Everybody is getting it. This is the year to do it. Uh, oh, I didn't bring the name. A message from Australia. I didn't get the name here. Sorry. How can Joe Missoula get Tatum and Brown more rest during the first round, especially considering Brown's hand injury and also taking into account how they both ran out of legs in the last year's finals? Can Brogdon see an increase in his minutes to assist in this issue? Okay. Last year's finals. I think that was a function of I the 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 Ime Odoka run from January to the playoffs really relied on these guys to play heavy, heavy minutes. And I think it's a little bit different than the minutes these guys played this year. And Jalen, especially with a couple of injuries this year, he he's better. Jason Tatum, after last year, changes his diet, changes some of his post-game protocol. I think he's in a little bit better position to handle some of that. I don't think you need to rest these guys in games. A lot of suggestions. Hey, play maybe a 10-man rotation. Play a regular season rotation. I'm not messing around with that. It's the playoffs. They had two days off. They are playing every other day for the rest of the series. Go there. Handle your business. Handle your business. Win this in four. Maybe five. You'll get plenty of rest after this series. The key last year, what they didn't do, what they should do this year, when you have a chance to finish, finish. When you have a chance to put a team away, put the damn team away. I think the Milwaukee series went one game longer than it should have. The Miami series went one game longer than it should have. That's why those guys ran out of legs. But also at the same time, they didn't have a Derek White. They didn't have a Malcolm Brogdon. Those two guys, just in the course of the game, just by their natural abilities, the plays that those guys can make that Tatum and Brown don't have to make, save their legs. So don't worry about that so much. Really, honestly. And I'm a guy that's been concerned about their minutes over the course of the season. Right now, don't worry about it too much. Okay? Brogdon can take some of the minutes. He'll get an increase in minutes for sure. But just him playing his normal role helps preserve these guys because his drives to the hoop, all of the plays that he makes are plays that Tatum and Brown don't have to make. So even if he plays his normal minutes, that's 20 minutes of pressure that's off Tatum and Brown. So it's good. It's good. Michael asks, given the Celtics swept the Nets last year and certainly look to be on the precipice of sweeping or near sweeping the Hawks this year, which first round series gives you or gave you more confidence and how the Celtics will perform going forward. I hate to say it, but last year's sweep gave me more confidence because that was against Kevin Durant, and and that was a tough... It was four games, but it was a tough four games. And remember that first game was the Celtics needed a miracle last-second layup to, to win that game. That game showed me Tatum's defense against Durant 
uh, guys stepping up late, Jalen Brown's ability to play clutch minutes. That told me, oh wow, this is this is a this is a team that's going to do something. This year, this series, just at, and I just said, I feel like this is a championship season. I didn't think last year was a championship season until they got to the finals. I was like, hey, they got a shot. This year, they should beat. They should obviously beat Atlanta. They should beat Philly. They should beat Milwaukee. They should beat whoever they find in in the finals. They should win a championship this year. So I say that up front, but the Celtics' performance against the Hawks doesn't give me a a ton of, uh, I don't know, I don't want to say confidence. It's, it's It's not that they're sweeping the Hawks. Like, the Hawks are insignificant. The, the Nets were more significant than the Hawks. So I have a better feeling now about the team, but that first-round sweep last year gave me a better feeling about the team's future, if that makes sense. All right, we're going to come back. Rapid fire, lots of questions. Oh, my God, I got so many questions lined up. This is impossible, but I'm going to do it, including... Will I podcast in a Trey Young jersey? What circumstances does that take? And Embiid, facing Embiid, uh, who do you want to face in the finals? And pizza, it's all next. I swear, it's all next. First, let's talk about eBay Motors. For a championship team, it's all about making sure every player is a perfect fit. It's the same when it comes to your vehicle. Every part needs to fit just right. So, the next time you need parts and accessories, head to eBay Motors. With eBay Guaranteed Fit, you can be sure every part you need fits right the first time around. Just add your ride to My Garage and look for the green check to make sure your part will fit or your money back. Because, just like in sports, confidence is the name of the game when you shop on eBay Motors. And with over 122 million parts to choose from, you'll be back in the game in no time. After all, it's easy to bring home a win when the right parts are guaranteed. Get the right parts, the right fit, the right prices on ebaymotors.com. Let's ride! Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. When I said an ambitious mailbag podcast, this segment's what I'm talking about. Ten questions and ten minutes to get to the end to keep this at about a 30-minute podcast. Can I do it? Well, not with this long preamble. Let's go. Jesse says, if the Hawks win two games, will you do a show wearing a Trey Young jersey? Yes. If the Celtics lose these two games in Atlanta, both games in Atlanta, I will do a show prior to game five wearing a Trey Young jersey. I do not own a Trey Young jersey, which means I have to go get one. I would have to FedEx it to myself. That means I would spend a lot of money. That's how confident I am in the Celtics not losing both games in Atlanta. They will not lose both games in Atlanta. If they do, I will wear a Trey Young jersey. That will hurt me personally because I do not respect Trey Young's game right now. I'm sorry, I don't. So that's the deal. Pete. Watching Trey Young, he looks like the worst defender, uh, defensive guard in league history, at least among starters. 
how would you compare Peyton Pritchard to him defensively? I, I, I wouldn't, I would not offend Peyton Pritchard in that way. Peyton Pritchard tries. Okay. Peyton Pritchard works his butt off defensively. Now there's certain limitations that Pritchard faces because he's small, but he's bigger than Trey young or at least the same size. Uh, and so he, he will, he, they will shoot over the top of him. And it's tough, uh, but he at least tries. So I, I would not offend Peyton Pritchard by putting him in the same league as Trey Young. Trey Young is a god-awful, disgustingly bad defender. And I'm sorry, I, I'm not buying any of the Hawks' side saying, oh, no, he's trying a little bit more. No, no. I've seen how bad he is. You cannot tell me he's trying harder. I've seen him. I broke it down in Boston Sports Journal. Trey Young, his defense uh, on the Celtics as they get to the rim, it's gar- it's garbage. It's garbage. So Peyton Pritchard is an infinitely better defender, um, but he has deficiencies, physical deficiencies that make it tough. And so they will get switches. Bigger guys will go on to him, and and he just he can't be a good defender overall. But he's much much better than Trey Young. Kalen says, "What's your ideal finals matchup for the Celtics? Lakers, Nuggets? Uh, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. The Lakers are not getting to the finals. First of all, they might not get past the Grizzlies in the first round. Nuggets, bring them on. That's the first seed. Whoever it is." Ideal matchup, I, I, I honestly, it doesn't matter to me. So, Phoenix, sure. Golden State, sure. I gesture to this. I'm podcasting as I'm watching. Not watching. I have the Golden State uh, Sacramento game on in the background. It's 8164 uh, in the third quarter. But uh, yeah, I don't care. I really honestly don't care. Tom asks. If the Celtics face the 76ers in the next round, how can the Celtics exploit Joel Embiid's lack of emotional control on the court? First of all, I love the framing of this question. The lack of emotional control on the court is a big reason why I have a a fair amount of disrespect for Joel Embiid. His flopping, I know I'm podcasting and I cover about a team that employs Marcus Smart, but Joel Embiid is a big, strong, gigantic human. And to see him get lightly grazed and fall over is like, come on, man. And then the, the stuff he pulled with, with kicking and I forget who it was that he almost kicked in the groin. I mean, this guy is for a guy, his size, this is why I don't like Joel Embiid for a guy, his size. He should be Wilt Chamberlain. He should be a guy that dominates the league, just crushes the league. The Sixers should have, two championships by now, but Joel Embiid is not capable of leading his team to a championship. Joel Embiid should be good enough, dominant enough, like Shaq, better than Shaq, because he's got shooting ability, but he's soft. So how can the Celtics exploit that? Just keep giving him physical play. 
and keep jostling him. Keep digging at whenever he puts the ball on the floor, dig. Whenever he goes to shoot, whenever he's in the lane, foul him. Get somebody in there. Use your fouls. Be physical with him. Take advantage of the fact that playoff basketball doesn't reward all the flopping all the time. So be physical with him. Make him earn it. Dig whenever he puts the ball on the floor. He he will crumble. I guarantee he will crumble. Dylan, the Nets obviously haven't played amazing in their series against the Sixers, but they have contained Joel. Would you say seeing how they were playing is giving the Celtics a little help on their potential game plan next round? No, I think the Celtics already have a game plan against Joel Embiid. They don't need any help from the Sixers. The Celtics are the best team in the NBA at containing Joel Embiid. So uh, that that's not an issue. They, I mean, you can always look at them and say, okay, maybe, maybe there's something. Maybe there is a wrinkle, but everybody should be looking at the Celtics for how they cover Joel Embiid. King Kahuna, love the name. Uh, there's a national feeling. We're starting to, by the way, transition to some more of the fun questions. There's a national feeling that the Boston media is generally unrealistically biased towards the Celtics. Can you make an argument without stepping on any toes why this is true? Can you refute the narrative and explain why you think this is not true? Who in the national media would you say is the most fair in their assessment towards the Boston Celtics? I think... Okay, there are a lot of Boston people in the national media. There are a lot of people from this area, you know, Zach Lowe, Bill Simmons. Bill Simmons is probably the biggest reason. I think a lot of people look at Bill Simmons and and, and they say, okay, he's indicative of Boston media. Um, But there are a lot of people, uh, Kevin O'Connor from The Ringer. Uh, there are a few, there are a few others, um, a a few from ESPN and at the same time, the Celtics are good. So there's a lot of positive Celtic stuff going out there. There, this, this whole idea that, uh, there's a lot of unrealistic bias towards the Celtics. I think that's overblown. I, I just think that. There's, I think it's a social media thing. I really honestly think there's a social media backlash because anytime something positive comes out about the Celtics, there are so many people with Boston ties that if they say something good about the Celtics, people just dismiss it. Oh, oh, you're a Boston person. You're talking, you know, well about the Celtics. You, you got positive things about to, to, to say about the Celtics. Well, you're biased. No. The Celtics are a good team. They've been a good team. So don't don't buy into all of the uh, social media reactions. It's, It's very simple. The Celtics are a good team. They've been a good team. There are a lot of Boston people in the media, in the national media, but I think everybody's fair. I think a lot of these guys, aside from Bill Simmons, who's, Obviously, still a fan, but I think the other big Boston people, like Zach Lowe, Zach Lowe is Zach Lowe might be the most fair person 
in NBA media. I think Zach Lowe is probably the best out there when it comes to, to media and assessing everything. So when you say who in the national media is the most fair, I think Zach Lowe is the answer just in general. Zach, I'm a law school student and trying to develop my writing skills. I have admired the way writers are able to take in issues, write about them, and expand. How do you go from watching a game and writing about it? Do you have a process? Okay, this is an interesting question, and I've, I've read it and tried to process the question, and I'm still not 100% sure about the answer, but I'll give it a crack here. The thing about writing a game, writing about a game is it's important to watch the game and feel the game and understand. First of all, what are you writing about? Personally, I have two things to write about after every game. My post-game process is a Boston Sports Journal game report column or big picture story podcast. And my podcast is generally some sort of combination about of, of those two things, those two stories, plus some, some other observations. So how do I process all of that stuff? It's just, what's the flow of the game? What's the big picture? What's the big takeaway? And you're talking about being a lawyer and listening to an argument and developing your writing skills about an argument. Well, you've heard both sides. I have watched a game and seen both sides. What's the takeaway? What's the big overarching? Don't, don't, don't make it too complicated. What's the big thing? The last couple of games, what's the big thing? Game two, what's the big thing? Derek White. Derek White's the big thing. How do you write about that? How do you go from watching a game to writing about that? You say, Derek White was awesome. Let's ask the guys how Derek White was awesome. Let's get some quotes. What did Joe Mazzula say? What did his teammates say? What did he say? And as each guy is getting an answer, you say, okay, I, I, as, as the answers are coming in, you start to craft the story in your head. Okay. So Joe said this, uh, that guy said that Derek, Derek comes up first. The questions I would ask Derek white when he comes up first would be different than when he comes up last, if he were ever to come up last. And so I understand Joe said something, Derek White said something. Let me ask Jalen this question about Derek, because I'm, I'm, I'm looking for a different kind of quote. Jason comes up. Let me ask Jason a different kind of, kind of question about Derek, because I'm looking for another different kind of quote. And it's basically the way I put a story together is I have a bunch of quotes and the stuff I'm writing in between is a bridge between those quotes. So my approach is I'm letting, I know what the story is. Derek White was awesome. And I am letting Joe and Derek and Jalen and Jason and Marcus, whoever else is talking, tell their little bit of the story. And my writing is weaving in between those 
quotes and to put it into the law student kind of perspective. If you're writing a decision, if you're a Supreme court justice writing, a a, a dissenting or uh, what's the other term concurring is, is that right? Uh, uh, statement, you know, I, I, yes, I believe this argument. And so this, this argument was, I like what this lawyer, what the lawyer said here, here, and here. I didn't like what they said. Uh, they contradicted themselves here, here, and here. I'm going to weave a narrative boom, 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 from start to finish in between all of those things. That's how you do it. That's how you, that's the process of writing a story. By the way, I've completely blown past. I'm, I'm clearly not doing this in 10 minutes. <laughs> Max says, um, how do you manage close relationships with Celtics obsession? And this is a personal question. My family thinks I'm too obsessed with this team. And I feel like I enjoy my obsession and it brings me a lot of joy to wear Celtics gear and watch the game. Uh, just wondering if you've ever had marital problems over the Celtics or ruined close relationships over sports addictions. I will say I, I, my first marriage probably fell apart because I was obsessed with covering the Celtics. Um, but that's not the, the biggest thing. Uh, I, I leaned on my obsession with the Celtics to, mask certain issues but i will say that it didn't help my my first marriage um but that was me trying to cover the team and trying to find a way to um further my career and i would lean on that to avoid confronting the real problems in my relationship so my serious answer here is if you are too obsessed with the Celtics and it's costing you relationships, ask yourself if you're avoiding problems in your own relationships by just focusing on the Celtics. I love that you're obsessed with the team. I love it. I love that you're obsessed with basketball and the Celtics and all of that stuff. However, you can't have have it go too far in anything. No obsession can go too far. Um, if you're having problems in your personal life, you should probably question whether you're leaning into your Celtics obsession to avoid confrontation on problems that you should probably confront. So that's my serious Dr. Phil answer. Max, don't go too deep into one thing or the other. If you're that obsessed and it's costing you something, you should probably check out that other thing and see, maybe, maybe consider the option that you're going too, too deep into this. Kalen says, what's the best way to break into sports journalism? Should I start my own sports blog? Yes, absolutely. Now, if you go to johncorrales.com, I know you went there to submit the question. I have a blog on johncorrales.com, which I never write, but I think I have two posts on that in, I don't know, 
eight years. One of the posts is advice for people trying to break into it. And one of the things I got to say, do your own stuff. Kalen, do it. Anybody that's trying to get into the sports world, do it. Just go make it happen. Write, podcast, do it. See how good you are. You have to consider the possibility that maybe you're not good enough. Covering a team, this business that we're in, that I'm in, is just like the team that we cover, which means some of you are going to be Fiano Cabangeli. You're going to get close, but how close are you really? Some of you are going to be James Young. Talented, not talented enough. Some of you are going to be LeBron. Some of you are going to be Jason Tatum. Some of you are going to be Peyton Pritchard. There's a lot of different avenues for people, but there's limited spots. Some of you are going to be good, but you're not going to make it because you're not that good. And some of you are going to be good, and there's something in you that's going to make you amazing. It's difficult. It's difficult to be Carson Edwards and say, you know what? I'm going to, I'm going to go do this thing and I'm going to make a little bit of money just focusing on this little niche and I'm going to be okay with that. So start your own blog, start your own podcast, go out there, do it, learn how to do it, learn how to be bad at it. Um, then get better at it. Just go be bad, get better. Take the advice. If it's, if it's mimicking somebody, if it's mimicking me, fine. I started out pretending to be somebody else. And then eventually you find your own voice. That's fine. But go read that blog, uh, on my website, because that, that has a lot of advice that I don't remember off the top of my head, but I think it's good stuff for you to read and learn. And um, I think it, it's just tough. Just be prepared for it, the, the fact that it's tough. Last question. Okay. Podcast is almost over. Mike, what was your favorite pizza or menu item to make into at your dad's pizza shop growing up? So people remember, I've talked about it. I talked about it in my last podcast with, Howard Beck, I grew up, I'm Greek, I'm the son of Greek Im immigrants in America. That means first-generation Greeks like me, I'm almost 50, we all grew up in restaurants. We all grew up in restaurants. Uh, my dad had pizza places around Rhode Island in southeastern Massachusetts. My favorite, okay, so my favorite pizza, <laughs> we tried to experiment, I will say, uh, so my favorite pizza was probably like pepperoni and mushroom. I like anchovies, pepperoni, mushroom, and anchovies. I know people are going to be like, Ugh. anchovies, Ugh. but I liked it. I like salty. I like salty, but we tried to like, see what, what can we throw into a pizza? What can I throw into a calzone that how, how, how much can we test the tensile strength of pizza dough? Um, I also like the fish and chips. Fish and chips are really good. Um, steak and cheese. 
I mean, anything, anything on the menu was really good. Um, but yeah, I, my, my favorite memories were of my dad making, uh, fish and chips and pizza and bringing it home. Fridays were always gigantic fish and chips. Fridays, Catholics, uh, not eating meat on Fridays, fish and chips were just huge, huge drivers of business on Fridays. So we would, we would move a ton of fish and chips Wednesdays and Fridays, but Fridays in particular. And then I remember as a kid, my dad would bring home pizza, a couple of large pizzas and fish and chips for everybody. And as a kid, this was like in the seventies and eighties. I just remember my dad bringing home the food, my sister and I, uh, at this point, my brother wasn't born yet, but my dad bringing home the pizza and the fish and chips. And we're watching like Dukes of Hazard and Dallas and all the TV shows that were big back then because I'm an old. So, uh, yeah, that stuff is fish and chips were, were my favorite. Um, I don't know how my dad made them that were great, but I've never had fish and chips like that. Uh, again, all right. That's the podcast. Appreciate everybody's questions from basketball to fun. Um, this has been a long one, so I will wrap it up really quickly here. Tomorrow is Friday or today is Friday. And so that podcast is going to be a post-game podcast, bonus podcast there. Next podcast after that will be after Sunday. So two post-game podcasts are next. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Watch the show on YouTube. Hop into the comment section. Get into the conversation and share the podcast. Tell everybody they should be listening to and watching the Lockdown Celtics podcast right here on the Lockdown Podcast Network. Your team every day.